Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Enjoy last Sunday's message. Come on. Anybody stop at a stoplight and just stop? Come on, eat and just eat. If you're like me, you did real good until yesterday, until Friday. You're like, what was that message about again? And, uh, and so we've been in a series, if you're just joining us, called My Problem with Prayer. And just so you know, if this is your first time, I ain't got no beef with prayer. I love prayer. What I'm talking about is that sometimes prayer can be difficult. And we actually sent out a survey to all of you, at least all those who are on our email list, asking what your top three challenges with prayer were. And the number one challenge was, well, when I pray, my problem is I get distracted. Today, we're going to talk about the second greatest challenge y'all face. This was the second most replied to answer. My problem with prayer is I don't hear God. That's the title of my message today. My problem with prayer is I don't hear God. If you struggle with this, say amen. Wow, the rest of y'all, I need the secret then. Y'all need to preach this message because I've been there. And let me just tell you, of all the problems, and we have three of them that we're going to discuss, this is probably my favorite problem. Are you allowed to have a favorite problem? This is my favorite problem. This is my favorite problem because if this is your problem, then it implies to me that you have an expectation of hearing God in the first place. Disappointment is the gap between reality and expectation. If you are not experiencing something you did not expect, you would never be disappointed. Let me give you an example. I, I am five, eight and a half. The half is very important. Don't call me five, eight. I look down on people who are five, eight. I'm five, eight and a half, all right? When I woke up this morning, listen, I was not disappointed that I was not six, eight and a half. Here's why I wasn't disappointed, because I wasn't expecting to grow 12 inches overnight at the age of 36. I wasn't disappointed. Would it have been nice? Sure, but I wasn't disappointed. Now, had I waken up every morning of my life with my head against the door and asking Liz to get a pencil and notch it in and every morning, oh man, still five, eight and a half, still five, eight and a half, then there'd be disappointment because that would mean that every morning I was expecting to have grown. This is why I love this problem because if you are disappointed that you don't hear God, that, that means that every time you get on your knees to pray, that every time you come to church, that every time you open your Bible, there is somehow an expectation inside of you that the God who is in heaven should be speaking to me. He should be talking to me. He should be touching me. He should be feeling me. And I love that because you're right. You should expect God to speak to you. You should expect God to talk. You should expect God to God. It's one of the reasons, listen, prayer is, is, is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's not a venting station. It's a conversation. If when you speak to him, he speaks back. It's one of the reasons why I love preaching this sermon, even though there are plenty of first-time guests in the church today who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus or relationship with prayer because you came today in hopes that I could maybe tell you something about God you didn't know, maybe convince you that he existed. But, but the only problem with that scenario is that you'll always know that it was me and it's my job to preach. And so maybe I'm only saying this because I get paid to do it and I don't really believe it. And so, and so here's the best thing you can do if you want to know if God is real. I've said this since January. Don't ask me. Ask him. 
and he will tell you because he speaks. Why? Because my God is alive. Contrary to common and popular belief, my God is not the half-naked dude who hangs on your necklace on that cross. My Jesus doesn't hang on chains. He breaks chains. And by the way, he's not naked. Can we put some clothes on Jesus? The Bible says he is clothed in glory, a light ten times brighter than the sun. His skin is like bronze. His hair is like wool. His eyes are like fire. He's alive. And he speaks. He speaks. Except when he doesn't. (laughs) Except when it feels like he's not. The best way that I could exemplify that is with an illustration, and maybe you can help me out here. And East Campus, you can help me out too. I'm actually going to need your help for this illustration now. So I'm just talking to Fern Park Campus right now, all right? So East Campus, don't do nothing. Online Campus, don't do nothing, to be fair. That's probably what you were doing when I said it, but that's why you're home right now. You're chilling. And so, but Fern Park Campus, I'm ready. Here we go. On the count of three, I'd love for you to put your hands together and just give the craziest, loudest praise that you can. Uh, one, two, three. That's good. That's good. All right. Now, front park camp, for campus, chill out. East campus. All right? So don't do nothing, front park. Don't do nothing in here. East campus, this is on you. When I say three, east campus, just east campus, I want y'all to go wild, crazy, loudest shout of praise you've ever done in your life on three. One, two, three. That was awesome. (laughs) But for those of us here in Fern Park East, we got to be honest. It was weird. (laughs) We didn't hear you. We didn't hear you. You don't know Fern Park, but um, 30 minutes away at University High School, hundreds of people just lost their mind. Hundreds of people just put their hands together. Hundreds of people raised their voices in joy and, and clapped, and hundreds of people did that. I believe. Can I be real? I don't know. I I believe. I want to believe. But I have trouble believing sometimes because on January 22nd when East Campus launched, I I, I prepared one of the best sermons I thought I I had ever prepared in my life. I preached my heart out to that camera. You know, tears in my eyes, welcoming this brand new campus that had been birthed in travail and prayer and fasting and revival. I went back there and I said, how'd it go? And they said, well, the signal dropped. (laughs) East didn't hear a thing that you preached. The campus pastor had to get up and preach in person. And I said, what? They said, yeah. I said, well, will they be there for the second service? He said, I don't know. (laughs) Jose told me, I'll never forget what he said. He said, but preach like they're there. So I came back up at the 1030. What's up, East Campus? Make some noise. God gave me a word for you. They weren't there. (laughs) And now, I got to be honest, now, every time I get up to preach on a Sunday and I look into that camera, it doesn't just take faith to get up and preach. It takes faith to believe that what I'm preaching is being heard. That's good. That's good. Come on. Are you with me? Yeah. And sometimes I wonder. Did I do something to lose the connection? 
What happened? Are they, is there even someone on the other side? But I know that there is, because every Monday I meet with your campus pastors, East Campus, Pastors Chris and Alana, and every Monday they come and they share stories and the testimonies of what God did through the message and the lives of people. The hands that were raised, the marriages that were reunited, the addictions that fell, the healing that took place. And I believe, not because I could feel them in my preaching on Sunday, but because their testimonies became the fruit of my preaching on Monday. Ooh, this is good. Let me connect the dots if you haven't connected it yet. Sometimes when I pray, I don't always feel God while I'm praying, but I got testimonies. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't always get the chills when I pray, but I do get Liz. And when I look at her, how beautiful, how wise, how smart, how great of a servant, how anointed, amazing cook, funny, every, I go, that is a miracle that could have only come into my life through the power of prayer. When I was single, it didn't feel like it was working. Come on, single people. When I was single, it didn't feel like my prayer was, but I can tell you on the other side of my miracle, even though I didn't feel like prayer was working, I've got the evidence that prayer works. Mm. I don't always have tears when I pray, but I do have two kids named Justice and Zane who are gifts to me, who are joy to me, who love Jesus, who are growing up to be men of God. Things that I prayed for from the day they came out of the womb in the hospital, and I know it. Even though I wasn't feeling it when I was praying it, I'm seeing the work of my prayers afterwards. Prayer doesn't always feel like it's working, but prayer always works. I don't always get emotional when I pray, but I do get to walk into this building that used to be a gambling center, that used to be a drug dealing headquarter, that used to be a post-up spot for prostitutes, and now there's a stage set up and a drum set set up, and I'm preaching the gospel from a stage where sin and wickedness and evil, we turn this thing into a church. Somebody prayed this church here. We prayed this church here. It didn't feel like it when we were praying it, but now we're living in it. I wrote it like this, listen, don't mistake God's silence for absence. Just because you don't hear him doesn't mean he didn't hear you. Doesn't mean he's not working. However, as true as that is, just because it's true doesn't mean it's not tough. Amen. Silence works. God's still there. Yeah, but the silence still sucks. It sucks. To set aside time in the morning, to set aside time at night, to take time from your lunch break, to get on your knees, to sit down, to put in your headset, to put in your AirPods, and feel nothing and hear nothing. Wow. And if that's you, you're not alone. The great psalmist, king, prophet David said in Psalms 22, every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Maybe you should try praying at night, David. Every night I pray, <laughs> but I find no relief. Morning and night. Chapter 28, and what does that feel like when God doesn't respond? I pray to you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Someone here is looking at David like, well, that's because he slept with that other guy's wife. That's why God ain't talking to him. Oh, really? Well, then what excuse do we have for Jesus? Matthew 27, 46, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lema sebachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Even Jesus knows what it's like to pray 
and not hear God. Even our Savior. Mustering the faith to cry out to God and not hear back, man, it could be a dark place. I was actually thinking about the creation story, you know, when God created the world, and I started to see similarities in this world and my personal world when God doesn't speak to me. Have you seen a picture of the world before God spoke? If not, let me remind you, if it's been a while since you've read it, Genesis chapter one, verse one through two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was, this is what it's like when God doesn't speak. Formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When God doesn't speak, I want to focus on each one of those really quickly. This isn't my point, but really quickly. You feel formless, you feel empty, and you feel darkness. The word formless means pointless, without purpose. I saw a picture of this when my sons and I were at Goodwill going through some things, and we passed the technology section, and I saw a piece of technology that I thought was amazing. They did not carry my same level of enthusiasm. I took a picture of the technology. I put it on the screen behind me. They know. Raise your hand if you know what this is. All right, we got our boomers, we got our millennials. The only ones whose hands are down are the Gen X, the Gen Z. They're like, that looks like a large tape player. What is that? That's, what is that? That, my friends, is called a VHS player. They play movies that played on tapes. And it was so cool, and it was the best technology. And granted, you needed a master's degree to be able to set the clock. You needed a PhD to be able to record live TV. <laughs> you remember trying to record live TV? You had to press like four buttons and like the, at the same time. It was so hard. And then, and, and then forget about patience, you know, to rewind, to remember to rewind. And, and I remember explaining this to my kids. I was like, it was the coolest and it was so awesome. And I remember when we got our first one and we would go to Blockbuster and we would rent the movies. They're like, you had to go somewhere? <laughs> to get movies. I was like, yeah, they didn't just come to you. Like, you had to go there and get them, and sometimes you couldn't get them. And then they kept looking at me like, Dad, that's so pointless. Like, there's no need for that anymore. Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, that's gone. That's, and here's my fear, that one day, the next generation of Christians will look at prayer the same way my kids looked at that VCR. That they'll look at it and go, hey, that's pointless. We've got therapy now. We don't need prayer. We've got medicine now. We don't need prayer, we've got surgeries and doctors and philosophies and education now. Except the only difference between this example and that is that technological advancements made the VH player, VHS player obsolete. But there is no advancing without prayer. Prayer is what advances us. Prayer will never be obsolete. Prayer is the thing that makes all things possible. But if you pray and you don't hear God, it feels pointless. What's, what are we even doing here? It can feel empty. My other son came home from my, his grandpa's house. I said, you hungry? He said, no, I ate before I got here. I was like, cool. I don't care. Let's work for me. Awesome. <laughs> and then right after that, he went to the toilet and threw up all his food. I said, bro, are you okay? What'd you eat? He said, candy. <laughs> lots and lots of candy. Listen to me. Sugar is fun. But the more you eat it, the emptier you become. And when I think about all the things that this world has to offer, all the sugar, the alcohol, the sex, the drugs, the fame, the parties, all of those things, one day, if you have not already, you will throw all that up. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Somebody's like, yeah, that's why I'm late to service today. <laughs> it's a wild party last night. <laughs> Threw it up a little bit. 
And the only way your soul will ever be satisfied is if you take Jesus' advice. For man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is the voice of God that satisfies our hunger. And then he said that it was darkness, darkness. If all of the lights were to kill in this building, which could happen at any moment if you know about the infrastructure of our building, you wouldn't be afraid. You wouldn't be afraid. You know why you wouldn't be afraid? Because we got these little red lights over here, over here, over here, over there, over there. That's right. They say exit. And even when the power goes out, those lights stay lit. To say when it gets scary and you don't know what to do, you can always find a way out. There's hope because there's light. A world with no light is a world with no hope. And when you don't hear the voice of God when you pray, boy, does it feel hopeless. Where's the exit sign? How do I get out of this predicament that I'm in? Where's the door of this situation? Show me God and God. But when God speaks, I don't expect a lot of amens during this next portion, only from those who have ever heard the voice of God. Oh, because when God speaks, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, then God spoke and light appeared. Just one word, y'all, light. And when he said it, light appeared, not on earth, but in all of creation. The universe lit up. The galaxy lit up. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the dark. God named the light day, and he named the day the, the dark night. When God speaks, the world lights up. Because when God speaks to you, your world lights up. When God speaks to you, and the depression that you were wrestling with turns into joy when you hear the voice of God. And he didn't stop speaking, because when God keeps speaking, things keep getting created. And God spoke on the second day, the Bible says that he spoke and when he spoke an expanse was created between the water and the sky let me translate that to you air was invented by God why because when God speaks for the first time you can finally Oh, when God speaks, I can breathe again. And I'm no longer suffocating under my stress. I'm no longer drowning in the water of my worry. Because when God speaks, oh, I'm a, I, can, I, can, I can breathe again. And on the third day, the Bible says that God spoke and he created ground. Why? Because when God speaks, I got a foundation that I can build my house on, my life on. So that when storms come and the winds blow, my house still stands. Because I built my house on the word of God. And on day four. When God spoke, the Bible says that stars were flung into the sky. Why? So that whenever it gets dark and whenever it gets scary, you can look up and still find a way to navigate, still find a way to go, still find an exit. When I look at that star, I remember the old Christian hymn, I'll fly away, right? So when things get hard on this earth, I know that's my exit sign up there. And if I can't get out of it down here, I know one day I'll get out of it up there with him. And on the fifth day, the Bible says that God created fish in the sea and birds in the sky. Let me translate that for you. Salmon and chicken. Because when God speaks, I get provision and sustenance and everything that I need in my life comes from the mouth of God. And on day six, he made us. I should say that the day started with him creating us. The Bible says that unlike any other thing in creation, God actually formed us with his hands, but it wasn't until he breathed in us that we came to life. Why? Because when God speaks, we go from existing to living. We come alive when God speaks. Just one word. Somebody say just one word. 
It was just one word in the New Testament when Peter was on the boat and he saw Jesus on the water and he said, tell me to come to you. And Jesus just said one word, come. And Peter began to get out of that boat and walk on water and defy gravity because when God speaks, you and I receive the divine ability to accomplish every God-given dream and ambition. With just one word, you're doing miracles. Just one word. When two demon-possessed men bum-rushed Jesus, begging for him to let them go, just one word, the Bible says. All Jesus had to say was go. And 2,000 demons possessed 2,000 pigs and then flew off a cliff. Read it in the book of Matthew. Just one word, go. Why? Because when God speaks, every demon's got to run, every devil's got to flee, every chain must be broken, every bondage must surrender. Just one word. When the disciples were in the boat and it was getting real scary and they thought they were going to drown and they woke up Jesus from his siesta and he was all mad because he needed an afternoon nap. He got up in the front of the boat and the Bible says he said one word, hush. Not even a word, it's a sound. And in one word, all of the nature, all of the laws of nature had to bend and stop and wind had to cease and the waves had to cease. Why? Because when God speaks, all anxiety has to be quiet. It has to hush. When Jesus was dying on the cross in the book of John, finishing his mission, just one word. In English, it was three. It is finished. But in Greek, it was one. Tetelestai. And when he said tetelestai, it is finished. Listen. Every sin. Because when God speaks, just one word. Every mistake, every bad decision, every regret fades away under the blood and grace of Jesus Christ. Just one word. Amen? Because there's power when God speaks. Put it on the screen. There's power when God speaks. And there's power when he doesn't. This is what I'm trying to teach you. And there's also power when he does it. This is what I really want to teach y'all. Can we look at the creation story one more time? Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Then God spoke light and light appeared. God saw that the light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day. And what did he do to the dark? What did he do to the dark? He named it. Catch this. He didn't eliminate it. He named it. He didn't eliminate it. He owned it. Translation. Silence is a part of God's communication strategy, just like night is a part of his creation story. You don't know this, but you need to know this. God's silence is a part of his plan in speaking to you. When I first was thinking about putting together this message, I was like, I'm going to put a message together on the three ways you can always hear God when you pray. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many people like to hear that message? Three ways you can always hear God when you pray. Wouldn't that be great? And I started to sit down, and God was like, that's not a message. <laughs> Why? Because me trying to teach you three ways you can always hear God when you pray is like me trying to teach you three ways you can make it 50 degrees and snow tomorrow here in Florida. I can't teach you that. Why? Because snowing, cold, that's a season. And we don't control seasons. Hear me, hear me. And silence is a season that God uses in our life. And so in the 11 minutes that I got left to preach, I want to tell you, listen, not how to always hear God when you pray, but I want to tell you how to pray and how to stay when you don't hear God. That's good right there. I know you don't want to clap because that's not what you thought you were coming here for. 
But this is going to serve you. Why? Because this is my first point to be writing it down. Because even silence is a form of communication. Even silence is a form of communication. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. And so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon, don't get lost, I'll explain this whole story to you in a second, who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, what sign? God left Hezekiah to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. Let's keep this verse up on the screen for just a, a moment. Uh, Hezekiah was a great king, one of the best kings that Israel ever had. He got sick. The prophet Isaiah came, prayed for him to be healed, was going to do a miracle. Hezekiah asked for a sign that his healing would come. And the Bible says that the shadow on the sundial went backwards. So something happened astrologically. Well, the Babylonians, who history records as some of the first astrologers, some of the first sun and star studiers and students, noticed it, somehow pinpointed the origin to Judah, went to Jerusalem to speak with Hezekiah to find out what happened. And that was Hezekiah's opportunity to give God glory. The Bible doesn't give us all the details, but here's what we do know. Somehow, Hezekiah took the glory for himself. Somehow, he was like, oh yeah, that was me. And all of a sudden, we find in Hezekiah something that we don't see throughout his whole story, pride. Now, why is this important? Why is this significant? If you read this passage, it says, God left Hezekiah to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. So God was silent to test him and know all that was in his heart. Here's my question. Why would God need to test you to know something he already knows if God knows all things? Because if you read the verse very slowly again, it didn't say for God to know. When God tests us, it's not so that he can know what was in us. He already knew. It's so that we can know what was in us. Sometimes God's glory is so beautiful and so amazing and so awesome that when we get close to him, it covers every imperfection and every shortcoming and every mistake. So we think that we're good, but when he steps away, all of a sudden we realize who we are without him. Let me put it in a way that you can take notes. Sometimes silence is God trying to reveal something hidden on the inside. Did you hear me? I love my wife. She has very godly qualities. She's super godly. She does things like God does in my life. And she acts like God in my life, in the best way, in the best way. Some of y'all took that the wrong way, in the best way. Like, she loves people, that's so godly. She's a servant, that's so godly. She has compassion, that's so godly. The other thing that she does that's very godly, she loves to speak. A lot. It's very godly, God loves speaking. It actually works out really well for our personalities, because despite what you see here, I'm very shy. And I can talk here because God's hand is on me. But if we go to the lobby, I don't know where that hand went. Because I'm very, <laughs> I'm very introverted. I'm very quiet. I just doesn't happen there as much as often. And so, so when our first date, I was very nervous because I didn't know if I could keep the conversation going. Because she's, you know, she was beautiful and I was, I, I, I was into this. And so I get there and we, you know, we started spending five hours together and I probably said, 30 words in five hours. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But she kept the conversation going for a long time. I was so grateful for that. So that's a good, a good thing. All right? My wife speaks so much, though, listen, that when she's not speaking, husbands, she's speaking. Come on. How many people know? Husbands, you know. Husbands say amen. Yeah. Yeah, some of you are like, don't do that to me. When she's not speaking, she's speaking. 
A lot of y'all know my testimony and how God delivered me years ago from a porn addiction, and I shared the moment when I came out open to my wife. A part of that story I never shared was that the day I, I opened up to my wife about it, she was giving me the silent treatment. <laughs> we were sitting on the couch. I said, is everything okay? She looked back and she said, I don't know. Is it? I was like, oh, Holy Spirit. Oh. <laughs> and then it all came up. The silence that day was uncomfortable. That silence that day was unbearable. But I'm so glad her silence was a form of love for me. She loved me too much for me to stay in slavery to my sin. And God loves you too much to let you stay where you are. Yeah, he can let it all go good and let it all go fine. But when he pulls away, it's probably because he's trying to show you something about yourself that you didn't know was there. Somebody in this room recently, you prayed to the Lord. Lord, when you don't speak to me, I doubt you. You're making me doubt you when I don't hear you. And I just want to tell you what God told me to tell you. He said, no. It's not when I don't speak to you, you doubt me. Me not speaking to you is revealing the doubt that was already there. But I had to pull away so you could see it for yourself. So that you could love me for who I am and not just what I do. Which is my next thing. Sometimes silence is an invitation, listen, to know God for who he is and not just what he does. Sometimes Liz will do another form of silence in our home. She'll say, shut off the cell phones, shut off the TVs. I don't want to talk about work. I want to talk about ministry. I don't want to talk about the kids. How was your day? which of course is also code. Now you tell me how my day was. And what she's really doing is say, because here's what married people you need to understand. If you're not careful, if you're single, you need to do this when you get married, marriage can feel like a business sometimes. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, we do our thing, we keep the home going, blah, 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 we gotta check boxes, and we forget it's not a business, it's a relationship. And we can get so caught up in the doings of marriage, we forget to be married. And so God is like, you got so used to me doing things for you, you forgot that I'm a person outside of what I do. And so I'm going to stop doing the things that you want me to do so you can get connected to just me. Raise your hand if you ever ask God for direction. Show me where to go. All right. Put, put your hand back up if you ever not heard something back in return. At least one time he was like, no. You know why? He was cussed. He said, because my name is spelled G-O-D, not G-P-S. And so I'm going to have to withhold the what so that you can learn and lean in to the who just because I'm God. Let's see if, and let's see if we can have a conversation. Here's the thing. When we stop talking about ministry, when we stop talking about kids, here's how I know our marriage is in a good place if we can keep talking. This is why empty nesters get divorced because their whole relationship was built on doing. Then when there's no more doing, they're like, who are you again? And you're living with a stranger. God says, I've been feeding you, serving you, leading you, guiding you. Somewhere along the line, you stop loving me. Sound be who. I only got three minutes left, but I'm going to hit this next one real fast. Listen, when God doesn't speak, don't be discouraged. Why? Because he already has spoken. He already has spoken. 2 Timothy 3.16, every part of scripture is God, breath, and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. If the Holy Spirit is disconnecting you from the voice of God, it's because he's trying to reconnect you to the word of God. I wrote it like this, if you can't find his presence, look for his sentence. 
is there. I never have a time of prayer where I don't hear God. Why? Because I never have a time of prayer where I don't include the Word of God. So He's always speaking to me because it's there. Here's why God wants you to get back into the Word. Listen, because John 10, 27 says this, My sheep hear and know my voice, and I know them. They follow me. You got to get into the Word because hear and know are two different words. You can hear God and not know God or recognize His voice. Are you with me? It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to recognize it, you know? I remember the first time I called a girl that I liked. I had to be in elementary school or like sixth grade or something like that. And my boy gave me her number. I was over his house. And she said, call her. I said, I called her. She said, hey. I said, what's up, Allison? She said, who's this? I said, it's me. <laughs> and she was like, me who? <laughs> we had barely talked in school. She heard my voice. But she didn't know my voice because we didn't spend enough time together. Woo! When you spend time in God's Word, then when God speaks, you'll recognize. But if you don't recognize the voice of God, what is it that you don't hear? What if it's not that you don't hear Him? What if it's speaking but you didn't recognize Him? Because you don't know it. We don't have time to show this video, but I was going to show a video about a, about a shepherd. He takes these, these group of people on a tour, and he shows them the sheep pen. And, and uh, he, he tells them, all right, I want you to call the sheep over. Call the sheep over. And so, so the, the, the tourists come up to the edge of the sheep pen, and they start yelling at the sheep. And he even tells them the, the phrase to get them to come. The phrase, it goes like this. It goes, it goes, eh, ticky, 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 ticky. That's how it goes. So the first, first tourist comes up to the edge of the sheep pen. She goes, hey, diggy, 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 diggy. And the sheep, literally, one of them looks up and goes. <laughs> the next tourist comes in. It's the second tourist. He goes into the sheep pen. He goes, hey, diggy, 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 diggy. And the sheep literally turns his back around. <laughs> so the dude, like, that's not, do not know. The third tourist comes up. She goes, hey, diggy, diggy. The sheep actually walk away. Finally, the shepherd comes up, and he goes, hey, diggy, 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 and hundreds of sheep run to him. It was the same phrase, but a different voice. The sheep came to the shepherd because they recognized the voice. And, and here's the real lesson. And they didn't come when the other people's voices came out because when you know God's voice, you also know what's not God's voice. That one. That one right there. You got to be careful because there's a lot of voices in your life. You got the voice of the devil. You got the voice of your family. Stupid, 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 stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. You got the voice of your feelings. Hey, you're stuck, you're stuck, you're stuck, you're stuck, you're stuck. Hey, you're never gonna change, never gonna change, never gonna change. Stuck, 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 stuck. If you know the voice of God, when you hear those voices, and you wait until you hear the voice of your father, because you know what he sounds like, because you read it, and it's ingrained in your heart. Hey, beloved, 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 beloved. Hey, son and daughter 
room, East Campus, would you stand? You gotta learn to hear the voice of God so you can stay planted when the enemy calls and you can run when God calls. Here's my last thing. I'm gonna hit this real quick and then I'll, I'll let you go. Listen, this is so important because I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound challenging to you, but I don't need you to hear it like this. The devil speaks like this. Can I tell you how God speaks? This is how the devil speaks. This is how God speaks. This is how God speaks. Always with love, never condemnation, always conviction. But somebody needs to hear this today. Listen, is it that he's not speaking? Or is it that you don't like what he's saying? to know the will of God. Can I tell you what I have discovered in my experience as being a pastor? They already know it. They don't need clarity. They need courage to do the thing that God has called them to say. Romans 10, 18. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard my message? Yes, they have. Look what God says, verse 21. All day long, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. They had become things that God has been telling them. Can I see your fingers real quick? I'm, I've been messing with you all service. I'm sorry. They can't see it, but I see it. They got holes there. <laughs> lines yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's Catholicism. like sandpaper. Yeah, I'm playing guitar. Here we go. This hand. <laughs> Do you see John Holt's fingers? All hard. Holes. I played guitar. When you first play, it hurts like heck. You keep pressing the same ones over and over, and what happens is these calluses begin to form. The part of your skin gets real hard, so you can't feel the strings anymore, and that allows you to continue operating. Some of us, God has been speaking us things since we got saved. God has been speaking us things since we've been kids. Sometimes he's speaking us about our unforgiveness, that person we need to forgive. Sometimes he speaks about us, or the sexuality in our lives and the way that he wants us to live. Sometimes he speaks about us with his future and our destiny. But he's been playing that chord for so long. You've actually become callous to the voice of God because he keeps hitting the same one over and 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 over. And you're like, God, can we just leave that one? I already told you, I'm not giving you that. And God's like, I'm not going to move on to the next thing until we handle the first thing. Here's how I wrote it. Look, stop asking the Lord for clarity and start asking him for conviction. Because, and then we're going to pray, we're going to pray. Because you think you have a hearing God problem. You don't. You have a feeling God problem. And when we tell the Lord no in certain areas of our life, we shut down feeling him. That's what we need to do right now. Every head by every eye closed. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to just tell the Lord today, have your way in my life. Lord, I've been running for a long time. I've been wanting to do my own thing for a long time. But if you want to speak to me, there is no area of my life that is off hands or off limits. I, I want to soften my heart to you right now. I want you to speak to me. And we're going to have a little exercise in hearing God right now. I believe God's going to speak to you right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, right now, begin to speak right now. Come on, just you take it. You and the Lord take it right now. I believe he's speaking to you areas that he wants to sharpen in your life dreams he wants you to pursue, businesses he wants you to start. Businesses
businesses he wants you to sell, homes he wants you to build, people he wants you to approach and forgive, relationships he wants you to restore, people he needs you to leave. And you've been saying no, 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 but right now, hear the voice of God, feel the voice of God. Feel the voice of God, feel the voice of God. He's speaking to you. Yeah. Now in your own way, shape, or form, say, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll say it. same spirit I want to speak to those who are far from God today who don't have a relationship with Jesus Hebrews 3 chapter 15 chapter 3 verse 15 on the screen behind me says as it is said today today somebody say today today if you hear the voice don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion today come home if you've been running from God most of your life or you've been running from God for the last couple years how about we stop running and today we not harden our hearts and come back to him. That's you on the count of three and you're ready to come back home to Jesus. What does that mean? It means to start a relationship with him. To slowly make him the number one person in your life. That's you on the count of three. I want you to raise your right hand to God as a signal. Yes, all over this room. One, two, three. Would you raise your right hand high today? Today's the day. Today's the day. Hands all over the building. I see him in overflow. Hands today. Today's the day. No more running. My heart is soft. Break me, Lord. I'm ready to come back. Today's the day. I heard your voice. I'm not going to be callous any longer. I'm not going to be hard-hearted any longer. I'm not going to be stubborn any longer. I'm not going to be tough any longer. I'm not going to be the rebel that I was any longer. Today, I rebel against my flesh. Today, I come home. You can put your hand down. Thank you for that courage. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you raise that hand, even if you didn't, everybody pray out loud. Father God, today, today, I heard your voice. And today, I'm coming home. today, but I want to love you more than anyone or anything. So Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you give it up for all those who made We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.